It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is November 30th, 2018. My name is Philip Rossenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. You can always follow me on Twitter at PhilipRR_OMD. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we're going to talk about the Magic's upcoming game against the Phoenix Suns. That game will come Friday night at 9 o'clock, finish up this West Coast road trip. And then we're going to finish up my conversation with Stephen Cameron of the Close-Up Magic, talking all about the first quarter of the Magic season. We'll break down the Magic starting five as well as their bench players in a little bit more detail. You can listen to part one of that conversation on Wednesday's episode of Locked on Magic. Definitely give that a listen. And of course, check his podcast out at the Close-Up Magic. But before we do any of that, though, I want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked on Podcast Network by searching on iTunes for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like I cover the Magic in excruciating detail, there's a podcast covering every other team in the NBA with excruciating detail. Locked On Suns is your place to check out the Phoenix Suns, Locked On Heat for the Miami Heat, and so on and so forth. Those are happen to be Magic's two next opponents, so maybe do some homework. I know I have. Locked On podcasts are your team every day, ranging from podcasts on the NBA, MLB, NFL, and college teams as well. You can check it all out on iTunes. Just search for Locked On and the team you are looking for. The Orlando Magic will finish out their their West Coast road trip or the West Coast portion of their road trip as they take on the Phoenix Suns on Friday night, a 9 o'clock tip-off over at, uh, I think it's Talking Stick Resort Arena. Um, a, a big game for the Orlando Magic coming off of two disappointing losses to the Golden State Warriors. Uh, losses where Steve Clifford was very clearly not happy with how his team played and executed down the stretch. And frankly, a Magic team that is now reeling a little bit after winning seven of their previous nine games, they've now lost four of their last five. And so while it feels like the Magic are still in good shape, and yeah, they're still a game, game and a half clear of the ninth place team in the Eastern Conference in their early playoff race, we all know how fragile a season can be. And Orlando has done a lot of really good things and they've played really, really well. But things can go south very quickly and the Magic have left themselves open and exposed to some defeats that they shouldn't have taken. Especially the last two against Golden State and Portland games. The Magic at least gave themselves chances to win and they failed to execute and do the basic things they need to in order to get them done. The Phoenix Suns then present both an intriguing opponent and a perfect opponent for the Orlando Magic. If the Magic want to prove that they're capable of making the playoffs, that they are capable of righting the ship and getting back on track, this is the kind of game they need to just take care of business. No offense to the Phoenix Suns. They are are an interesting team with Devin Booker, uh, 24.5 points per game, and a rookie in DeAndre Ayton. But this is not a good basketball team. In fact, by net rating, this is the worst team in the NBA. The Suns... Scoring only 103 points per 100 possessions. The Magic are better on that front. 
and 112.5 points allowed per 100 possessions. The Magic are better on that front too. The Suns have a league-worst minus 9.5 net rating. If the Magic are a playoff team, they win this game. Not only do they win this game, but they send a message to their coach especially that we heard you loud and clear. We get what you're saying. We're going to take care of business. And what's more interesting about this game is that this is a trap game. That last game on a road trip is always tough. You know you can see home on the horizon. It's always tough to win this kind of a game, to have the energy to win this kind of game. And the Magic have lost two soul-crushing defeats. And so while the opponent isn't strong and maybe the Magic can get away with a few mistakes, how the Magic approach this game will say a lot about their character. It'll say a lot about who they are and who they want to be. These are the kind of games with Magic in previous years didn't quite perform up to standard. And while I don't think any win is easy, I would like to see the Magic win this game in a blowout. No, again, no offense to the Phoenix Suns, but if the Magic truly want to call themselves a playoff team, and they're right on the border of that, even statistically, then this is the kind of game the Magic have to win. And win exactly how Steve Clifford wants them to win it. Much of Steve Clifford's time on and practice on Thursday in Phoenix was, was spent kind of reassessing what he said and, 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 and what the Magic need to do to kind of get over the hump. And the general lesson seems to be that we need to that the Magic need to be more physical rebounding the basketball. They're middle of the road below average rebounding. They're, they're, they're not where they need to be on that front. And so they have to be better. They have to find a way to get to those loose balls, to, to get to the glass, protect the, re- protect the boards, prevent offensive rebounds, double down on it, even if it means sacrificing some fast-break opportunities. The Magic right now are playing such good offense and moving the ball so incredibly well that they probably don't need as many fast-break opportunities if it means securing a possession and getting a stop. Phoenix is the kind of team that, yeah, they can bite you if you're not careful. Like the Magic, they have a lot of point guard questions and every available point guard is getting connected to them. But the Magic obviously have some work to do and can overcome all of that. Again, this is a game the Magic should feel like they can win. This is a game the Magic should feel that they can go out and impose their will. And this is the kind of game where the Magic need to take care of their business. Phoenix can bite you if you're not careful. Devin Booker's a great player, but they've got a lot of guys playing very poorly. If the Magic play defense like they're capable of playing, they should win this one fairly comfortably. But right now, we don't know if the Magic are capable of playing that way for 48 minutes. They're struggling with elite scores, which Devin Booker is... Somewhere near that. And certainly they're going to have to deal with the physicality of DeAndre Ayton and take him out of his game as well. It's going to be an interesting matchup. It's going to be a character matchup for the Orlando Magic and one we will be watching very closely. 
Tip-off is at 9 o'clock from Phoenix, Arizona. You can check it out on Fox Sports Florida. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're now going to get back to my conversation with Stephen Cameron of The Close-Up Magic. You can follow his podcast at The Close-Up Magic and, of course, check them out on iTunes. We... uh, discussed and talked about the magic here at the quarter pole of the season. And you can listen to the first part of the conversation in Wednesday's episode of Locked on Magic. But now we dive into individual players, kind of taking the scope away from the long-term vision, the long-term questions that the first quarter of the season brought up to talk now about what this first quarter of the season meant to several individual players. So... Let's talk a little bit about some of the players, if you don't mind. Let's uh, let's get into the first unit a little bit. So the this, the main first unit that we've been seeing is Vucevic, Gordon, Isaac at the start of the year, which has now turned into a one-do and Simmons last night, um, Evan Fournier, and DJ Augustine. How have you felt about this unit? We know Vucevic is shooting lights out. AG, for the most part, has been pretty good this season. He started off weird, but I think that was more or less just the offense and him not clicking right and them needing to make some adjustments because after that Clippers game, it 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 was a 180 for him. Yeah. And uh, last night, I kind of just put off to possibly hometown jitters, got a back issue going on. I'm not sure. It was weird, but he contributed in other ways. Um, so I've been pretty happy with Vooch and AG for the most part. Um, DJ's been okay, in my opinion. He's been kind of holding the boat steady, not necessarily causing us to lose games, but not necessarily causing us to be great with closing games. Um Evan's been struggling. You know, the three spot has kind of been all over the place. What's what are your initial thoughts on this first unit we have? I think they've they've played a lot better than I expected them to. Obviously, yeah. the Magic's record is better than I expected them to. So I think this group is playing a lot better than than I expected it to. Um, like I said, I, I think you know, DJ Augustin, like you said, is a is a point guard who holds the boat steady. And and that's really all the magic have asked for him. And, and I think a lot of fans who were like, why didn't the Magic address the point guard position? Why didn't they they do anything with that position? Even now are like Magic need a point guard, Magic need a point guard. And and yeah, the Magic probably do need an upgrade over DJ Augustin, but Augustin has been perfectly acceptable, especially for what the Magic are trying to do. He's good at keeping his dribble alive. He's he's not always driving looking to score. He's driving to try and warp the defense a little bit, trying to get the defense to react to create a hole or better passing angle for for someone cutting or someone moving. And and largely, he's done a really good job. I mean, Clifford has pointed this out, that his assist-to-turnover ratio is very, very good. He's he's someone that can dribble and drive around a lot, but isn't going to turn the ball over. He isn't going to drive himself into traps. And 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 that helps the magic offense really flow and work. And honestly, as impressive as, as a lot of players on this magic team have been, DJ Augustin has been one of the unsung heroes and biggest contributors to this team. And and, and I think that, you know, while certainly there there is room to improve at that position, um, you know, the magic were right to be completely content to hand the reins over to Augustin because he has fit this group really, really well. He's helped spread the floor because they're playing through Vucevic a lot more. 
and, and, and that's a huge bonus for, for this group. And, uh, you know, I think it, like, I think I agree with you on a lot of, a lot of points, you know, I think Aaron Gordon is still figuring out how to be a star in this league. He is playing a lot more unselfishly than, than I think I've ever seen him play. And even Evan Fournier, um, while Fournier's shot's not there and it absolutely has to be there for him to be an effective starter, his passing has been as good as it's been in his entire career. It's not something that he's naturally good at, um, but he's clearly done some work to improve his his vision and his reads on on passing into out of pick and rolls, uh, and and that's been a big boost to this team as well. I want to stop you there on Evan Fournier for a second because he seems to be a hot topic with Orlando Magic fans right now. Um, you're right. He is having a career year with passing and assists. I believe his assist rate is at four assists per game right now on average. And that's almost double what he's normally had throughout his career. And his shooting is way off. But if you watch him play, there's always at least two, maybe three possessions where he's got the ball in his hand and he just makes the most frustrating move you'll ever see and and be, you know, completely blows. Making up for some of the other things that he is failing to do on the court. Some nights it does. Some nights it doesn't. Um, I think Fournier, I, I hate saying this because, you know, the, I, I think Fournier's kind of taken over the I'm going to get mine role that, that Aaron Gordon had at points last year. And I think some of it is just habit um, because Fournier's been that player for the Magic for the last two years. Um, he's been the team's leading scorer and, and, and he has a lot of faith in his game. And I think the Magic should have a lot of faith in his game. But I think too often, Fournier catches the ball and stops a beat. And this offense, and for the Magic to be successful, I think it requires more constant movement. And so when you stop a beat and wait for the, the, a screen to get set or, or to, to kind of survey the defense, that gives the defense time to catch up. And then that gets rid of the advantage the Magic have. And I think too often Fournier is doing that, and so he's driving in against a set defense, and that hurts the Magic's flow offensively. Um, and so his shot selection's been a little suspect. He's been the guy that, that I think's taken the questionable shots for the Magic or the, the forced off-the-dribble shots. The uh, I think you have seen him take more off-balance three-pointers this year than ever. before. Than ever, And I think that's a big problem where he's just not quite on balance yet. And supposedly he's nursing an injury right now, so I don't want to judge him too harshly. But, um, you know, yeah, I think his decision-making uh, as far as his shot selection has been a little suspect this year. I've had a now. I've never met the guy. Um, you know, I've never really met anyone on this team. I just cover him from a distance, and I have a small theory that maybe he's not happy with his role within the offense, and he's not fully buying into the system, and that's why we see some of these poor decision makings and 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 the ball stop within the. When it when it gets in his hands again, I, it's a it's kind of a ballpark I mean, way out there kind of theory. I'm not really sure. I mean, I I would say I would say this to that point. I do agree with Steve Clifford when he says Fournier's defense has has been really good I, and I, really yeah, good might be yeah. might be a little too far, but it's knowing knowing Evan, it's it's been better than it's ever been. So the Fournier is contributing in other areas. I think a lot of it is just habit. Uh, I think yeah. I think Clifford's offense is very different than than anything that the Magic have run before, um, and Fournier's just kind of fallen back into the habit of of the way that previous coaches have played, where I catch the ball, 
I wait for Vooch to come set a screen for me, and then I attack. Instead of I catch the ball, I know what my first move is going to be. You know, maybe I do a hesitation dribble to let the screen get set, and then I go, but I keep the defense constantly in motion. And, and you know, I think the NBA has a tendency not to run offenses like that. And so over six or seven years now, um, Fournier's developed the habit to play a certain way, and it's tough to break that habit when it's especially when it's not kind of a natural part of your game. The way Vucevic is playing, for instance, his style fits this offense perfectly. It does. Um, this offense is tailored a lot to Vucevic's skill, so his transition is natural. Um, we saw Aaron Gordon go through uh, through some growing pains with it early on in the season, where he was the guy forcing a lot of offense, trying to create isolations and 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 the way that he wanted to play, and he kind of figured it out. Um, you know, the question is, will Evan Fournier figure it out? Will Evan Fournier figure out where he fits in this offense? And and I think he does have a fit in this offense. It might mean he shoots a little bit less. It might mean he scores a little bit less. And so the question is is Evan Fournier going to accept that? And, and that's always a, a big question because you can't be successful in this league without a little bit of ego. And to see your role reduced or changed in some way is a tough adjustment that you do have to accept. And so I, I think Fournier is still figuring out how to find that balance. You, and it hasn't helped that he's been hurt and that he's still one of the most important players on this team. Do you think he will? You think he'll find, you'll think he'll be able to find the adjustment at some point this season? Not fully. I think we'll see it on occasion, um, yeah. but it just may be that he's the odd man out. Um, it just may be that he's the guy that that doesn't fit. And I think a lot of fans, you know, kind of see his contract and are like, that, that'd be nice to kind of shed a little bit sure, and, and sure. get an upgrade. And I mean, he's, Last he's a guy. Sorry, go on. He's a guy that most people, you know, in, in the Bradley Beal fever that I think Magic fans have had, he's the guy that would, yeah, would have to be traded in a Bradley Beal deal, most likely. Whether sure. the Wizards want him, I doubt it. But, um, but or at, at least not without other assets. But um, it's 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 been a struggle for him for sure. And and some of it too is I think you know. And another piece of this too is is you got to remember a lot of these all these guys are human. Sure. Um, you know, you're you've been a forty percent three point shooter for the last three or four years now, two or three years for sure. And all of a sudden you're shooting 33, 34% from beyond the arc. I think some of it is he's forcing things to get, you know, shooters know how to shoot. They, they want to shoot themselves out of slumps. I think some of his struggles is he's forcing things because he's frustrated with his shot. And I think if he, when he hits a couple shots, he plays really, really well. Um, so it's there. It's just a matter of not giving into frustration sometimes, which, which yeah. I think Fournier does. I, I've, uh, I've always thought, you know, ending last year and coming into this season, I, he was one of my least, his contract was ugly, but he was one of my least concerned players that I had on the roster. You know, not ideal, but I'm like, we, we can handle him for a little bit longer. Now he's the one I'm questioning. He's one of the ones I'm questioning the most if, if, if he will get it. But at the same point, you're right. They're human. Almost every player has a bad season every now and then. Um, you know, we're, Besides, really, last night and Clay's hot shooting three-point game, he's been a pretty big disappointment on the best team in the NBA. He's contributed in other ways, but his shooting really hasn't been all that lights out for the Warriors. So it's like every 
player, especially shooters, every now and then they have a they'll have an off season and they'll have, you know, and they'll have they'll have an off stretch. I mean, I yeah. think Fournier used that stretch that Thompson did to start the year as an example of hey, no one's giving up on Clay Thompson, and Clay Thompson's obviously a different level player, but it's not the time to give up on Evan Fournier. We know what he's yeah. capable of doing. He's a veteran. He's going to return to his mean at some point. Um, he's going to have a big game at some point. Um, it, it's it's not an if. It's it's not an if. It's a when. And when that happens, and he gets back into rhythm, then I think we'll see an Evan Fournier that that we're all comfortable with and and can play. Now, whether that means he's a long term fit, certainly a fair question to ask. Um, but I, I I don't think Fournier's struggles are permanent. I think he'll he'll figure out a, a nice groove at some point. Well, he should find his spot. I actually, you know, most people don't, most people get to their career average back at some point. And I, I think he'll find his spot too. So, all right, we've, we've destroyed Fournier and killed that topic. Let's continue on. And let's talk about something really exciting. And he has been kind of a really bright spot for this team, this entire season and just crushing it for us right now. Potential all-star Nikola Vucevic, MVP of the league, in my opinion. Uh, he has been such a pleasant surprise. Everyone was ready to trade him last year, and now everyone's like, how can we re-sign him? Or uh, other things. I don't want to talk about that right now. He has been so fun to watch. Shooting above roughly 40-41% from three, averaging 20-11 and 11 right now. Um, and I think he's got like four assists he's averaging as well. And he's getting talked about all over the NBA right now. He's in articles. He's being talked about on major shows like The Jump and Jalen and Jacoby and all sorts of things. So, Vucevic, what, what's going on with him? He's, he's killing it. Yeah, I, I think it's just an offense that fits him. Um, yeah. it, it's, it's unlocked everything that he was good at. And, and I know... I mean, I, I always told Magic fans, you know, don't don't give up Vucevic until you know you've got a better replacement there, because he is for all his flaws, and and they still exist. For all his flaws, he has always been a strong offensive center, and you know, I think there's been a little bit of a lack of imagination in how to use him. Um, he hasn't been given the opportunity to display the passing skills that he had that he has this year, not until. Everyone was injured last year, and and he literally was literally carrying the magic through games. Like we saw a little bit of this last year before his his, his hand injury knocked him out for the season, knocked him out essentially for the season, and he lost all rhythm. Um, he he's just been completely unleashed. Um, his just jumper, his jumper. Uh, Steve Clifford made it a point to get him back in the post, which has been fantastic for him. I think that inside out game has has really been good for him. And he's really found that balance between like when to post up and when to hang out in the arc and shoot the three. He's yeah. Where last year we felt like he he and he's been good at that short roll shot. too. Yeah, yeah, and it's been it's sorry I had to pause there because that's been something I've noticed a lot and I I've really enjoyed how he's been balancing shooting threes but also playing his post. Yeah, and I mean obviously obviously the big difference with Nikola Vucevic is he is all of a sudden consistently a passable defender. I mean I thought. People's criticism of his defense was always a little overblown. Um, I thought the guards were a lot more at fault than Vucevic was for a lot, but he's not someone that you can leave on an island. He, he needs help. He's not a great rim protector. And he he stepped up to the plate this year. I mean, he's been an anchor for the Magic's defense, one of their best pick-and-roll defenders. 
um, overall. And he still makes some mistakes. He still gets beat. I mean, we'll we'll see how much the Magic learned from their last game against Portland uh, on Wednesday. Uh, but he's he's playing defense at the best levels we've seen him play, and that's obviously changed his game completely. Definitely, he or changed perceptions of him at least. He's definitely, uh, you know. He's an all-star. He's an all-star defender, but he is being an all-star playing caliber uh, player at the moment um, with, you know, his average, maybe slightly above average defense. But a lot of that, a lot of the reason why he is more successful, and you just mentioned this, is because he's getting more help on defense from wings and guards right now, where previous season that wasn't happening. And just the whole defensive system seems to be working for this team a little bit better, which is allowing him not to have to handle the entire load of protecting the rim. Um, you know, when you have another seven footer as your three and Jonathan Isaac uh, right there next to you, and then Aaron Gordon stepping up his defensive play, it makes your job as a center just a little bit easier. Um, but right now he should be on the early all-star ballot. He really should. There's no reason why he, should not be on there. If he's the coaches, there, if, if the Magic's record remains what it is, the coaches will put Nikola Vucevic in the All Star game. I'm I'm 100 certain of that. As he should, as he should. He's been a very very pleasant surprise, and I, if he continues up this level of play, I, I don't know what to do with him. <laughs> Come trade deadline or end of the year, we have. I mean, it's a huge question. Be, I've been I've yeah. I've been asked I've been asked that question numerous times. Like. Did Magic resign him? Uh, how? Yeah, the question is always how much and how long. But it, those questions have been revived. I mean, I, I, now is probably not the time to talk heavy about the trade deadline. But I don't think the Magic make any moves that make the team worse, at least while they're still in the playoff hunt. Um, and right now, trading Nikola Vucevic for anything short of an elite center is making the team worse. Yeah, I. Again, this is not the podcast to go heavy on trade deadline and end of season, but he's definitely a topic that is not easy to talk about right now. At the level he is playing, you know, if we, unless for something horribly, horribly goes wrong with this season and we're not kind of in the same position we are now, there's, he's going to be a really hard decision. He's going to be a really hard decision for this front office on how to handle him. He's not making it easy, um, which is, good it's good for the no, you want you want that challenge yeah you do you want the front office to be able to have to make these types of decisions so this is jake from locked on locked on has teamed up with state farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in nba history after beating the heat led by lebron james and Dwayne wade in 2011 dirk nowitzki won an nba title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time but there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, let's move on to the second unit. I 
really yeah. have a lot of frustrations with it. Uh, but there are some bright spots like Terrence Ross. He's having a, a great, uh, a great season so far. Um, he's been a lot of fun to watch there. You know, Jonathan Isaac, who's been playing in the second unit ever since he's come back has, has had some really nice games, um, especially defensively. And then there's a lot of questionable players like Jaron Grant, and Jonathan Simmons. Um, what, and then Mo Bamba, of course, our, our rookie, Mo Bamba. Um, let's start with Mo right there. A lot of people are frustrated about how he's being used, um, about his productivity level, possibly just his overall awareness on the court. My personal view is he's a rookie. Not every rookie is going to come out and have a rookie season like Jason Tatum did last year or um, – or John Donovan Mitchell. Uh, those are just the last, you know, last year, but there's there. Most rookies need, need time to develop and, and gain speed for the NBA game. We're seeing um, a lot of rookies from last year have great successful second years like uh, De'Aaron Fox. So I'm not so worried. I understand why some magic fans are, um, annoyed with him especially when you look at some of the rest of this rookie class really really doing well and standing out um but yeah there are some concerns like the game is still moving really fast some of his uh, defensive aggression uh, isn't there sometimes i think he's falling in love with his three-point shot a little bit too much um what what can what do you see about bomba now that you like maybe don't like but also like what what words can you give our impatient fan base right now about Bamba and his future with, with his growth and team when we see these question marks that are throwing up some red flags. Yeah. I, I mean, I think look at the game. I mean, look at the games where Mo Bamba's played really, really well. Um, I think more than anything else, those are the games you should point to as like, this is what Mo Bamba can do when he's really good or when he's really good. Um, the fact that we've seen those games already at this season, the fact that we saw that game, that kind of a game in the opening game of the season, and we see those games maybe once every five or six outings, I think that's an overall good sign that, yeah, he can play at this level and he can be a dominant force where, you know, we're, I mean, there have been at least two or three games this year where I think fans have said and rightly said, let Mo Bamba finish this one. And that's over an all-star in Nikola Vujovic. Right. So Bamba's shown in, in, in brief flashes, they're brief, I'll, I'll grant that, that he can be a player in this league. The bottom line is he's a rookie. He's an extremely raw rookie. Um, physically, he still gets manhandled in the post. Very much um, so, so. Asking him, asking him to play more than whatever he's playing now, I, mean, I think it's what, around a little bit less than 20 minutes per game. Asking him to play more than that right now is is, is, is conceding the season essentially because because he's going to get beat up and moved around. Um, he's still you could still tell that the game is a little fast for him, and that's normal for most rookies. They're, Jason Tatum and Donovan Mitchell are the exceptions. Luka Doncic has been a pro for you know God knows how many years. NBA speeds a, a half tick up for him. There there are not many young rookie players that come into the league and immediately just make an impact and look like they belong. Mo Bamba has looked, has looked like he's belonged in several instances. Yeah. And I, my, my theory is this, he's kind of in a great situation. He, we knew drafting him, he was a little bit more of a project than some of the other 
uh, players that were available. Um, but his ceiling was so high that he had the potential to to be of, of a, a certain caliber of player. And he's kind of, in my opinion, in a very, really, a really good situation where like he's playing behind an all-star. But on games where he's playing well, we can let him play a little bit more and give our all-star and Vucevic a little bit more of a rest. And we can allow him to continue to develop his his strengths. On games when he's really, really struggling, he's got someone to back him up who is doing it a really good way. He can come in and kind of ease the pain of what, what's going on on games when he is moving, you know, he's not catching up to NBA speed. Um, and I think and I think to that point, too, Mo Bamba is in a great situation minutes-wise and the environment around him with the veteran big men that, that are on this team. Yeah. Um, but he's also playing in some really bad lineups. Um, he's sure. not someone you should run a lot of plays for right now because he just doesn't have the strength to, to bang down low. Um, but the bench lineup it's doesn't rough. have a lot of shooters, doesn't have a lot of creators. It, it's it's not a great lineup for Mo Bamba to produce raw statistics. Um, his defense, he'd like to see the awareness come up, but I think that's going to come with experience. So I, I honestly, like like you said, he looks like a rookie. Um, he's playing like a rookie. He's having his moments and he's having his struggles. That's that was all to be expected. And honestly, he's exceeded my expectations this year and is is playing exactly how I expect him to play in the long run. Yeah, way. yeah. The offense is not gonna be there right away. Um, you know, he's shown the potential to to uh, you know, shoot the three, which has been really nice. But you, when your point guard is Jaron Grant and the only person that's really a consistent offense. Uh, maker right now is is Terrence Ross. You're gonna have some problems. And Terrence here. Ross is not passing. No. Like it's great that he, he's making all these shots. Keep taking them. But he's, Terrence he's Ross is not is not passing. Yeah, yeah. He's not exactly a playmaker. He's a shooter, and he's doing it very well right now. Um, but that's that's uh, you know the the rookie's gonna struggle. He's gonna struggle, and that's okay. We don't need him to be amazing this year we just need him to grow and learn the game um let's talk a little bit more jonathan isaac i we've had some struggles with him already he's had some ankle injuries but now he's got some braces on he's looking good he's looking healthy still on a minute restriction had a really hard couple of nights recently guarding lebron james and then last night kevin durant but seemed to hold his own a little bit i've been pretty happy um defensively he's been pretty solid and then offensively not as consistent as I would like to see but he's putting in a lot more than what he would have done last year uh, and then last night you, you know you see a, a night where he goes five for nine three for three behind the arc and you know has 15 points in a game so what, and they what all came quickly I think he had what 11 to 15 in the third quarter within a mm -hmm. two and a half minute span like it was it came quickly um Isaac, Isaac is playing a lot more confidently, and I yeah. think confidence is a big thing for him. When, mm -hmm. when against the Lakers, he looked really tentative, or I guess against the Nuggets, excuse me, he looked really tentative, and his shot just looked flat and terrible, and and it it, it was not pretty to watch, and it, it flipped completely against Golden State, uh, where he looked a lot more aggressive and assertive and confident. And, and and trying to get himself in rhythm and, and looking for his own shot. And that, that's such a big thing for him. Um, you know, his offense is probably a little further behind than, than I think everyone wants. Um, it, it's not where it needs to be, but 
he's a, he's a solid defender already. He's a defender that, that Steve Clifford trusts. And, you know, it, a lot of people criticize Clifford for not playing young guys. He trusts a lot of the Magic's young guys defensively. And that's such a huge step for their development. Um, and, and obviously they have to bring the offensive game uh, up, up to that level too. But I've been really impressed with Isaac. He's shown a lot of growth. Um, you know, I want to see him continue to, to grow and get better. And that, that's really the key for him the rest of the year. Yeah. And I, I'm excited to watch him continue to grow the rest of the year. Um, out of my personal opinion, out of Isaac, Bamba, and Gordon, Isaac is the one that, um, and they're all exciting in their own ways, but he's the one I have a little bit of a, you know, fast. When, when Isaac, when Isaac is playing really well, he is so fun. To there watch. is, there is just a different buzz about this team. Like, when, yeah. like, I mean, that third quarter run that he had was just astounding. It was, it was phenomenal. It's just, it's, you know, I've, I've, I've kind of said this and I, I've kind of like your thought on this too. Um, I feel like Isaac just needs a little bit of an ego. Yeah. The kid is just so selfless and so humble. And I'm just like, sometimes I just want to be like, dude, get yours. Like, like take that shot. It's you, it's you, you got this. You, you are the man. I want him and Jonathan Simmons to become a little bit more friends so he can get a little bit more of Jonathan's like aggression. There. Mean streak. Yeah. Yeah. He needs a little bit of an attitude to him. It's, it's hundred percent. Hopefully right. not Jonathan Simmons wild forays to the rim, but, but I mean, no, magic, but that too, like but... his, his edge, he's got this like, you know, yeah. you know, just talking to him. He's just got this, this feel. And it's like, Isaac, I know you're young. You just turned 21. But you, let let's get that attitude going. And once you get that, you're gonna you you're gonna. He's one of those players that once he really figures out what his potential is, he's he's gonna just be like, oh my yeah. god, what what just happened? What did we just? What kind of transformation did we just see? Um. All right. So we got about five ish minutes left. Uh, twenty one games into the season, we're starting to end the hardest part of our schedule we're coming to a close i think it's what the magic have the third easiest schedule the rest of the way now something like that yeah i heard that on something i mean well i said this before i've said this so many times now after the mexico city trip we will know a lot about the scene right um when they get home for that that christmas uh christmas homestand they got four games at home over christmas we will know so much about this team and whether they can hang in there or not. What do you like most about this team? I love the energy. Um, they, they're they're just playing with so much more intensity, and and it seems like focused energy than at any and, and consistently night to night to night than at any point in the last six years. Yeah. Um. They they and that, that's a sign of buy-in more than anything else. That that they're that they're really engaged with what they're doing. I would have to say the same thing. They, they they seem to really like the system that they're playing in. They've they they really seem to be getting behind Coach uh, Clifford, and there's just like a mindset of togetherness with this group that I haven't felt previously. Um, that that's probably my my number one like feel good about it. It's just everyone seems to be on the same page. Um, cool. What's what's the scariest thing for you about this team? Their offense still scares me. I think they'll they'll still go into long droughts offensively. We saw that against Golden State. We've seen that several times this year. Um, I I don't think they're gonna climb very high. I don't think they'll get close to to the mid to uh, an average offense in the league. Um, and so I I still worry what happens when this team doesn't make shots. Um, you know, you get a lot of energy from making shots, but 
uh, is this team really going to be a defense first team? And I think that's that's still a huge question about this group. Yeah, I would say my my scary is uh, what happens when we have a, a bad injury. If yeah, we're, we're most likely we're not. You know, we had a little bit of a a thing with John losing losing like Isaac we, isn't going to kill you, but if we lose one of these other players, a DJ Augustin, a AG, they lose Augustin. That's, that's trouble. Yeah. We're, we're going to have there. That's, that's what scares me. Um, I would like to see us be healthy, but most teams end up losing someone at some point. Um, okay. And what I like to interpret this, how you want, what's your ugly, uh, the good, bad, and the ugly, which I did the good, scary, and the ugly. And if you want, I can give you mine first. Oh, man, uh, the uglies just it, it's the bench. Um, you know, I, I think they've had their moments, like give them their moments. But outside of Terrence Ross, that group has really struggled. Um, you know, the the point guard issue is a real one. Um, Jaron Grant has not been the player that the Magic need him to be. Yeah, and um, that I'm not sure what right that there. Mine was. Yeah. I, and I hate to really point the finger, but Jaron Grant and even Isaiah Briscoe, I mean, he was a little bit more of a project, but uh, it's you haven't really I, seen Briscoe no, given a chance, but, but it's just, I, I'm, I'm scared. I'm scared for this, for that second unit point guard. And if for some reason he ever has to jump to the, I first, would be, like, I would happen? be curious if say in January, He's if the magic there. don't give Troy Copain, a tr- if they're still having these point guard issues. Yeah that they don't give Troy Copain a little bit of a look and, and use some of his, his two-way days to do that because Copain does a lot of the same things that Augustin does. He's a scorer first, not really a natural point guard, but he can keep his dribble alive, set up his own shot a little bit off the bounce. And, you know, if he can overcome his size, which same issue as Augustin, you know, he could be an interesting backup option, but he's never done it at the NBA level. He's never been given the NBA sure. chance. So... I'd be intrigued if they don't try maybe going to Copain to just kind of replicate what Augustin does if, if it comes to that. Yeah, definitely. I I mean, this is a topic for uh, another podcast, uh, but if we are still at this competitive um, second half playoff type team for the Eastern Conference come getting close to the trade deadline, are we going to be buyers or sellers? If we're buyers, I would imagine that they'd be looking at the point guard situation. Maybe not long-term um, starter, but maybe just trying to at least upgrade that second unit point guard. I don't, yeah, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole too much. Um, Philip, we covered a lot of ish, a lot of we topics uh, tonight in this 55 minutes that we've been recording, and uh, I really enjoyed it. We had a really good conversation. Yeah. As we're wrapping up, any last-minute thoughts? And also just let the people know where they can find you online and your work. Yeah, well, um, obviously it's the first quarter of the season. There's still a long, long, long way to go. Um, so don't, don't draw too many conclusions. We, I don't think we tried to draw – conclusions today i think we mostly just focused on things to watch and so um a lot of work still to do with this magic team that they're they're enjoy how great they're playing um but you know i would say also be aware of of the struggles that that are going to come this is a marathon not a sprint and, and we're only a quarter of the way through that marathon so um definitely enjoy right now yeah definitely definitely i mean don't d- take joy in how they're playing like i yeah. mean don't you know? Don't don't be don't don't be so concerned over the little weaknesses. Um, you know, Sam Van Gundy used to always say, "You gotta learn. You gotta learn your lessons while winning." 
And if there's a positive thing we can say about the Magic, for the most part this year, they've learned their lessons while winning. Yeah. And that's always good. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a sign of a good team. This is fun basketball. People should be going to games. People should be tuning in and watching it and supporting the team because right now they're exciting to watch and it's it's pretty basketball. It reminds me a lot of Brooklyn Nets last year. They were yeah. horrible. They weren't winning, but they were like visually they play hard. pleasing to watch. The difference is our team, we're winning right now. And uh, it's a lot of fun to watch. Um, cool. Where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me online at philiprr underscore omd on Twitter. You can also follow me on Twitter at omagicdaily. And, of course, check out orlandomagicdaily.com for the latest on the Orlando Magic, as well as Locked on Magic every day for your daily dose of uh, audio version of, of the Orlando Magic. And, and guys, I said at the beginning, I'll say it now, I've been listening to Philip for about two years now, reading his stuff. It's it's quality content, and uh, if if you want someone to hear – to talk about the magic every day, as much magic content as you can get. He's definitely someone to add to the list. Uh, well, Philip, that's going to wrap up our conversation. And to my listeners, that's going to wrap up our show. I really appreciate you tuning in. You can find this episode on podcast platforms on up and under.net. And uh, I believe Philip's also going to be using it for some stuff. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Thanks for tuning in. Looking forward to hearing you guys, uh, talking to you guys next week, and we'll see you soon. I want to thank Stephen Cameron for having me on his show, The Close-Up Magic. And like you said, you can find that uh, on iTunes to search for The Close-Up Magic. You can follow him on Twitter, at The Close-Up Magic. I want to thank him for having that conversation, beginning to talk a little bit about the magic here at the quarter pole of the season. We'll have a little bit more on that coming up on Monday. We'll talk more about the Magic's game against the Phoenix Suns and this road trip as we've passed the quarter pole of the season now. Uh, so we'll begin to recap and think about what's ahead here in the next 20 games or so, as well as look back at what the Magic have accomplished so far this year. Some things, not everything that they want to, obviously. But until then, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at, at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast-named listening device. You can follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore md. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. That's going to do it for me today, though. I want to thank you all again for listening. Have a great weekend for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic. This has been Philip Rossenreich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.